Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 63, and we're going to cover Deuteronomy chapters 8 through 10. And as we make our way through Deuteronomy, we see what Moses is doing. He's preaching a sermon to the second generation. He's teaching them everything they need to know to go conquer the land. And imagine this, Moses is old now, he's dying, and he's passing all the knowledge he's learned from serving and walking with the Lord on to the next generation. He's given them history. He's recounted the Ten Commandments. And now he's going to go back into history in chapter 8. Let's grab some of this. This is one of my most favorite verses on testing. Verse 1, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I know those verses ring a bell. Jesus quotes this in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 when Satan tempts him to turn stones to bread. Look at the context that Jesus quotes that verse in. It's a context on bread and God providing and not only providing, but providing in the wilderness. And so you see the parallel of Jesus being driven into the wilderness by the spirit, tested around bread. Satan is trying to get Jesus to fail just like he got Israel to fail. And so that's one point to note. But another point to note is that Jesus is the new Israel. He's linking himself to Israel and going through all the tests that they went through to show that he is the true Israel and he's the true Davidic king, and he has all the rights and privileges to provide corporate solidarity, remember our term, for the nation, not only the nation of Israel, but all those who will come in with the faith of Abraham, which is why the faith of Abraham is so important, because you need faith to connect to God. This is why God killed off an entire generation. It's because of apostasy. It's because of lack of faith, unbelief. This is treason, according to God. This is the highest offense when you're an unbelieving people. But look at verse two, it says that he led you in the wilderness for 40 years that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Who's trying to know? It's obviously not God because he's omniscient. It's us. He takes us through trials to shake us up to show us what's inside of us. And I've heard it quoted before. If you take a cup and you set it on the table and it's full of a liquid and you shake it and red juice spills all over the table, what was in that cup? Red juice. If you take that same cup and shake it and coffee spills everywhere, what was in that cup? Coffee was in that cup. We're just like cups. When you take us and shake us up, what comes out is what's in that cup. If it's cuss words, if it's anger, if it's hatred, if it's grumbling, if, if it's complaining, 
We don't need to make excuses. God is revealing just exactly who we are. That's our true authentic self. Don't run from it. Sanctify it. That's the person that God wants to sanctify. He doesn't want to sanctify the, oh, bless, holy favor, hallelujah version of yourself. He wants to bless and sanctify the messy, the true, genuine version of yourself. And this is one of my most favorite verses because it gets down to the core of who we truly are. And that's who God wants to do life with. And it forces me to deal with the true Uncle Theo and not the one that I think the world wants to see or the one that I've been presenting to the world. So Moses continues to count what happened in the wilderness. He talks about the fiery serpents. Remember when they had to look to the serpent on a pole to be healed. Jesus draws from this as well. And so as you see, Jesus leans on Deuteronomy a lot, but why wouldn't he? It's, a, it's the most perfect summation of the law. This is where you absolutely want to go. And I want you all to get that. If somebody were to take the first five books of the Bible from you and say, you can only pick one, which one would you want to keep? You should want Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy summarizes everything. It gives you the entire law in one book. In chapter nine, he continues to summarize their history, but he makes this statement and it's so potent. Listen to it in verse six. Know then it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess. For you are a stubborn people. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you left the land of Egypt until you arrived at this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. And that, my friends, is not only Israel, but that's our life. Romans 10, 3 tells us that there are two types of righteousness that we can present to the Lord. We can present a righteousness that's our own or the righteousness of God. One will give us access granted to him in heaven and one will give us access denied. Self-righteousness does not produce the righteousness of God, but that's the one we always tend to run to. And God rebukes that right here in chapter nine. He says, don't think it was because of your righteousness that the Lord is giving you this good land. It's in spite of your righteousness. It's not because of it. It's because of, remember, God preached on his character. It's because he is compassionate. Remember our word, it. loving kindness is because he has that. That's his character. You're entering on the basis of his character, which should be our position regarding salvation. I heard one famous pastor say, even the emphasis shouldn't even be placed on your faith. It is by faith that we enter, but it's faith in Christ. He said, would you rather have strong faith in a weak bridge or weak faith in a strong bridge? Weak faith in a strong bridge will get you across. But no matter how strong your faith, if your bridge is weak, you will not make it to the other side. So we learn this from all of the religions. It doesn't matter how dogmatic you are. It doesn't matter how convictional you are. It doesn't matter how right you think you are. If your faith is in the wrong bridge, it does not matter how strong that faith is. And so this behooves us to trust in Christ, a strong bridge, a strong tower, 
And those with strong faith will get across. Those with mediocre faith will get across. Those with little faith will get across. Those with faith, even as tiny of a mustard seed, shall make it across. And it's because of the righteousness of God that we make it in. He continues to rebuke these people in chapter nine. He says in verse 24, you neither believed him nor listened to his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you. Moses is letting them have it. He's calling them out and he's talking about their parents to their face and showing them what to avoid and what not to become. And that leads us into chapter 10. He recounts when the tablets were rewritten. Let's grab some of this in chapter 10, verse 12. It says, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and love him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heaven, the earth and all that is in it. Listen to this. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Listen to this. This is the key. Verse 16. So circumcise your heart and stiffen your necks no longer. Moses just gave them a command that they can't do. Why would he do that? Do we say this is wrong? Do we say this is dirty? Do we say this is unfair? Yeah, if you don't understand the law, but if you understand the law is meant to give an impossible standard that you can't keep to drive you to a person who can keep it so that you may put your trust in him, then it makes perfect sense. The law always should have been an impossible standard that they couldn't keep. And the command to circumcise your heart should have conflicted with that. In the one sense, you're telling yourself, I got to keep all of this. But I can't. But in the second sense, you're, si you're telling yourself, I seen what happened with Moses and the 70 elders. I need that. I need to circumcise my heart. But God is commanding me to do it. How do I do this? Now that you have both hands out and up, you're in the perfect position of humility to cry out to God and ask him to help you receive a new heart. And that, my friends, is what the law is constructed to do. Stop preaching an attainable standard. If you preach an attainable standard, self-righteous people will love you because they can fulfill it. Preach an impossible standard so they will cry out to an impossible savior who works the impossible and has made salvation attainable to all on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ. There you have it, my friends, the gospel in Deuteronomy. Don't overlook it. Christ is everywhere. Let's continue to worship him together.